The last few weeks, uh, the message has been from the book of Luke, and um, Jose asked me, Pastor, uh, Luke chapter 6 only doesn't go up to verse 71, and I said, well, I'll check it out, and my message is in John chapter 6. <laughs> so, John chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. Now, whenever we are focusing on what God can do, what God is doing, how much of what we think of and what we are, our perspective is that it comes to me? It's, you know, a God is going to do a work in me, through me, you know, with me, things like that. Well, in the story here in John chapter 6, Jesus is trying to direct their attention. He does the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, okay? There's the feeding of the 5,000, you know, Jesus has them seated, seated. they are in groups, and, um, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed these people? So, you know, they go out and look. They come back with five loaves, five flat pancakes, and two sardines, okay? Uh, five pieces of bread and uh, two sardines, and, and what is that among so many? And there's 5,000 men plus women and children. And we know the story that Jesus blesses it and breaks it and gives it to the disciples, and they go out and feed everybody, and then they come back together, and Jesus has them go pick up the scraps, and they each have a basket full. So there's a, the, from five loaves and two fishes comes feeding 5,000 and 12 baskets full le left over. Now, the next story that proceeds this is Jesus walking on water and, and entering the boat with them, and they end up on the other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee. Then is our story today in John chapter 6. The people are coming to Jesus, and they have had the 5,000. They all got fed yesterday, and they can't figure out how Jesus got where he did, but that's really not the problem. They've come to Jesus, and they're, they're confronting him now about, hey, you know, uh, we like this idea of being fed. How many like the idea of having a meal last week? Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> uh, also, we're going to have another dinner when is it? It's in Thanksgiving meal, 16th of November. So um, we don't want Bobby to be solely responsible. So we can come up with a menu and you can get involved with that. But uh, Jesus is telling these individuals who have come to him, he says, don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. See, the, the individuals that are coming to Jesus, they've just, they've been fed. They were fed, you know, yesterday all that they wanted to eat, and there was, there was a lot left over. So they come to Jesus now, and Jesus is trying to make them make the transition. He's trying to help them make the transition be, between who he is and what he is going to do, how he is going to work in their lives. And he, he tells them, don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that, like the food you ate yesterday, it's important. We all have to eat, but don't make your whole life about getting some food like yesterday. Work for the food that sticks with you, food that nourishes your lasting life, food the Son of Man provides. He and what he does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. So the focus is on the physical food, which is temporal, and they want to look at this like it reminds them of how Moses provided food for them in the wilderness, the manna. 
And Jesus says that there's nothing wrong with their motive. They want to be fed, but there's something wrong with their, their motivation. The motivation has to be seen in they want to have miraculous signs. Okay, the children of Israel, our ancestors, when they were crossing the, the desert, for 40 years, they had a sign. Every day they got up, there was food on the ground, and they see that these individuals have come to Jesus, and what do they want? They want a sign. They want a sign from him. You know, you gave us all food yesterday. Can you beat Moses? <laughs> Can you beat the miracle that Moses provided by giving us a meal every day that we don't have to work for? So they wanted Jesus to perform miracles. They saw Jesus as somebody who could fill their stomachs with food. Okay? They saw Jesus as somebody who could fill their stomachs with food. They couldn't make the transition, and we'll see in these verses that follow, they couldn't make the transition between Jesus, the man who can do miracles, and Jesus, the one who claims to be the Son of God. They just couldn't get those connections because they had a preconceived idea as to what Jesus was going to do, uh, what their Messiah was supposed to do, and Jesus wasn't doing it. Do you have any preconceived ideas as to what God's supposed to do? do you know, what is, if God shows up in your life, how would you know it? How do you know if God shows up in your life? Well, what of the good things that come into our life? Well, you know, that's just by chance. <laughs> well, what about the bad things that show up in your life? Oh, God's against me. <laughs> it's like, if things are against us, God is against us. If things are for us, it's by chance. So let's make up our mind. Is it by chance or is it by choice? Is our life determined 90% of what happens, the 90% of what we do in our life is not by what happens to us, but how we respond. See, responding, and, and the, Christian, the Christian principles that God has given us is that God has a way of working in our life so that we could respond properly. Our Sunday school lesson was about what? <laughs> what? Sunday school lesson was about forgiveness. <laughs> how many times do we have to forgive? <laughs> unlimited why does God want us to forgive because when we don't forgive we carry all that garbage around all the time and when we don't forgive we allow circumstances that happened yesterday to affect us today and our decisions of what we're going to do tomorrow and God doesn't want us tied down to the wrong things that have gone wrong in our life everybody's had something wrong some more difficult than others. Just as we said about Megan. I mean, here's a little girl born with spina bifida. She's never walked, except with braces. She was carried everywhere. And, you know, a little, a little, she has uh, the best of attitudes and, you know, plays sled hockey and, and all that. And, you know, she was on a ventilator for a few days. Still, uh, still is on a ventilator. Don't really know if she's going to live or die. And we, in her response to all this, her, her difficulties and her surgeries and everything, well, you know, it's okay. She just keeps going. 
And you see, our response to the difficulties isn't mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. It's not that type of living. It is that God is with me and he is going to help me become the person. You can never pray for change unless you change along with the change that God brings into your life. If we think that we are going to, God is going to change the world around us without us changing, hello. <laughs> if you don't change, the world around you is not going to change. Because if we, what we're, we have to see how God is going to work the miracle around us, but we also have to see how God is going to work the miracle in us. And the miracle in us is that we have to see Jesus for who he is, not just somebody who makes, you know, he can produce food for 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children by breaking a few loaves and two fish. So God is a miracle-working God, but not a miracle-working God to make me happy. He is a miracle-working God to help me to grow to the place that I need to be, that I can be the best person, I can be the individual that God created me to be. We were created for a purpose. We were created for a divine purpose. I am created for a divine purpose. That's you. You say that. I am created for a divine purpose. <clears throat> I don't think you believe that. We'll say it one more time. I am created for a divine purpose. And all of our intellect, all of our abilities, and all this gets in the mix. But along with that mix, who do you say that Jesus is? And how does this Jesus come into the mix. Is he the judge with the ball bat? <laughs> is he the pusher? <laughs> is he the dragger, put a ring in your nose and pull you along? He is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother who walks with us through every circumstance of life, helping us to be able to deal with the circumstances, not necessarily rearrange the circumstances. He can do that, but sometimes God wants to change us to deal with the circumstances because that's where the greater miracle is. Hello? Hello, choir? <laughs> I know, what's the garbage cans about, right? <laughs> we'll get there. So, to that they said, well, this is in verse 28, well, what do we do then to get in on God's work? Oh, okay. So here's the guys, they come, they want to have, have miracles every day. And Jesus gives them, you know, uh, what he does are, you know, guaranteed by God the Father and all this comes together. He says, well, what do we have to do to get on God's work? Did you ever ask yourself that question? What do I have to do to get in on what God is doing? I mean, that's a good question. That's a, that's a, that's a very good point here. And um, Jesus goes to the heart of the matter Believe in the one sent by God. So what do I have to do to get in on God's work? Our work is to believe in the one sent by God. Without this faith, none of these activities benefit us. None of the things of acting morally, doing evangelism, going to church and worship, all these things are part of our activity and they're all very important. But it is belief. Our work is to believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> believe in the one sent 
by God to be with us. Then verse 29. Jesus says, Throw your lot in with the one that God has sent. That kind of commitment gets you in on God's work. The crowd is focusing on the physical realm. But in John, he connects the spiritual and the physical together. That what is spiritual in our life has a way of overflowing into our actions. And our actions are, de- are very deeply connected to our spiritual life. That's what we were talking about forgiveness. That's what we were talking about, you know, forgive people. But there's also the dreams, the abilities that we have with our, you know, our abilities, whether they be skills or learned, that God has a way of taking these things and the Spirit applying to them can take them further than what we could do on our own abilities. That I, I, I believe that Christians should be the most creative people on the planet because the Holy Spirit spoke, you know, God spoke the world into existence. No two leaves are the same. No two blades of grass are the same. So our minds are all different. And God can inspire our minds and our thinking and make application of truths to our life. Well, whenever Jesus tells them to throw your lot in with one that God has sent, verse 30 says they waffled. (laughs) They begin to... Now, they all were fed yesterday. They all saw five loaves, two fish, feed 5,000 people, plus women and children. They want this same type of miracles in their life. But when Jesus started telling them you needed to believe in me, they waffled. Why don't you give us a clue? (laughs) Who you are. Just a hint of what's going on. When we see that, when we see what's up, we'll commit ourselves Show us what you can do. <laughs> you know, yes, you see, miracles are not what we base our life on. Because if the miraculous is what we based our life on, we want another one today. Can you do another one? Can you work your miracle today, Lord? You know, can I walk on water today? I, would, I did it yesterday. Can, you know, I walked on water the other day. I did. They hosed the wi- sidewalk down with water, and I walked right across it. <laughs> Where's our friend at? Yeah, can you walk on water? Yeah, when it's frozen. <laughs> I can walk on water when it's frozen. Yeah. All right. So they're still missing the point. Moses fed our ancestors with bread in the desert, and he, he, he says so in the scriptures. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So, hey, Moses did this. If you are better than Moses... You can't, they're not going to believe him as the Messiah. He's just this miracle worker, and they, they still don't get it. Instead of looking to the giver and the gift, they are looking to their own role in this whole thing. They want to see what Jesus is going to do for them. What have you done for me today? <laughs> you know, sometimes we have that, that mentality. I'm your friend, so what are you going to do for me today? It's almost like you owe me. Rather than me waking up in the morning and say, God, it's a beautiful day. No matter what happens today, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to pray that you will help me bless somebody else in my life. 
today. I'm praying that you will make me a blessing to other people. See, most of the time we turn it around and say, God bless me. Thank you for help. May somebody bless me today. May all things go correctly in my life today. And may I not be disappointed with anything. <laughs> that prayer is seldom answered. <laughs> and we often give away our peace <laughs> and give away our joy because somebody interrupted my work. <laughs> I was doing something really good and somebody interrupted me. There are no interruptions, only divine appointments. So what you thought was an interruption was really an opportunity. And you see, it begins to look at our life and how, what is our philosophy? What is our outlook upon, upon this God-centered life? That if God is not involved in my everyday life, then where is he involved? If God is not part of my rejoicing and being happy and forgiving in the difficulties of life, then where is he? When is he supposed to show up? Like, these people coming to Jesus and saying, can you do another miracle for us today? Moses did a miracle every day for the people in the desert. You only did one yesterday. Can you do what Moses did? <laughs> did you ever ask God, you did this for somebody else. Can you do it for me? These other people, they got breaks in their life and they're not even, they don't even go to church every Sunday like I do or every other Sunday like I do, or maybe once a month like I do, <laughs> you know. Whatever our little quota is that makes, our, makes God happy with who we are. You see how we, we begin to think and make God something that is going to bless us? And how that, can you feed me today? What are you going to do for me today, Lord? Jesus responded, verse 32, The real significance of that scripture is not that Moses gave you bread from heaven, but that my Father is right now offering you bread from heaven, the real bread. It isn't that the people in the desert weren't taken care of. It's God is with you right now. And that the bread that Jesus is talking to them about is there, he is the living bread that will be the bread for their life for eternity. And could it be possible that the needs that we are looking at are not really the needs at all? That what God really needs from us is that we would open our heart and say, yes, Lord, I recognize you as the bread of life. I recognize you as the one who brings joy in my life. Morning, you know, uh, sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That there is a sense of purpose and a sense of God's direction and destiny in our lives. God has called every one of us to be his children. There are no second-class children. There are only his children, and he has brought us into his family he is our Father, and whatever He does, He wants to bless us with. He wants to bless us as His children. So Jesus said, I am the bread of life, verse 35. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. 
you saw me do this. You saw, but you still don't believe. Every person the Father gives me comes to me, running to me. You see, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's finally got these people to a place where he's trying to reveal who he is to them. I'm not just doing this so I can compete with Moses. It's not many works that God requires of us. We don't have to do a lot of things to make God happy. The work that he gives to us is to believe. Now, to believe is not to check our brain at the door. <laughs> Faith is not about not understanding and you know, trying to figure out God. God says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. God has no problem with our intellect. <laughs> God has no problem with our abilities to reason and to think. God has a desire for us to come with him. He gave us our minds. You know, um, uh, the one guy said to God, you know, Adam, was Adam and Eve or somewhere in there. I think I would just use Adam and Eve. And Adam goes to God and says, God, why did you make a woman so beautiful? This is a joke, okay, in case you didn't know that. God, why did you make a woman so beautiful? And God says to Adam, because you would love her. Why did you give her such long, flowing hair? Well, so that you would love her. Why did you give her such a, a beautiful figure? God again says, because so you could love her. And then he says, God, why'd you make her so stupid? And God says, so that she would love you. <laughs> that wasn't in the script here, but I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> So, so God's, <laughs> that's not a divine statement. That didn't come from the Bible. That was a Dave McGeeism, all right? I heard it from somebody else. Okay, so, yeah. So, the work that we are to do is to believe, all right? God wants us to believe. That's what's in, it's in, what's in store for us. God's work is to reveal the Father. And our work is to receive that revelation into our lives. We don't have to make something up. We have to understand the word. And we can, we can disagree over things and whatever. The basic understanding is to allow Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, to, to live and abide within our heart. Verse 39. This, in a nutshell, is this, in a nutshell, is that will. That everything handed over to me by the Father be completed. Everything that God wants to do that's what I want to accomplish in your life. Everything that God wants to do, he's saying the bottom of what I'm about, the, the bottom line of what I'm about is to take who I am, what I am, and, and give it to you. And not a single detail will be missed. And at the wrap-up of time, you see, when it's all said and done, when life is all over and we stand before God, everything and everyone is put together. Everything and everyone is put together. That God has a purpose for each of our lives and the puzzle, the pieces that we're putting together and the difficulties that we encounter are all about bringing us to Christ 
and allowing Christ to work in our life and the miraculous power of God working in and through us. So you see, remember our story of the prodigal's brother? His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time, and everything that is mine is yours. See, I'm still on that. <laughs> everything that is mine is yours. That this is Jesus telling us, this is an example of the father, that the father, God, is telling all of us through this story God is saying, everything that I have is yours. Everything that I have is yours. And, and we look at this story, and we have how that Jesus has fed 5,000, and the people are struggling. What are we to do with this? And Jesus says, your detail, your purpose in all this is to believe. To believe. Well, at this, because he said, I am the bread, that came down from heaven, this is verse 41, the Jews started arguing over him. Isn't this the son of Joseph? Don't we know his father? Don't we know his mother? How can he now say, I come down from heaven and expect anyone to believe him? It's like all the miraculous that he did doesn't transition to who he is because we know otherwise. When I ask you, what do you believe? Well, I believe that God can, at the last day, raise us up. But what about your belief in him now? Well, you know, I don't know if he really cares. Can he really help? Does it really make a difference? Will I become better or worse? Because I, you see, we start this, then it's exactly what these guys did. He fed us all yesterday, but he, he says he's the bread of life. Hey, I know his parents. You see, we start this logical, deductive reasoning that says to us, it doesn't work that way. And our faith says, look at the miraculous, look at the word, how does it apply? Jesus said, don't bicker among yourselves over me. You're not in charge. The Father who sent me is in charge. You think you have control over this life? You think that you can determine whether you live or die? You think that your life is going to be valuable or invaluable because you don't think it is? Well, let me tell you what the Father thinks. And when it's all said and done, the Father is going to have his will completed and done, and he wants every one of us completed by the end of our life. So it's time to get started. So, only then do I do my work, putting people together, setting them on their feet, ready for the end. God wants to get us up on our feet. He wants to get us ready. Ready. Everybody say ready. ready. He wants to get us ready for today, tomorrow. And that I am going to determine today that tomorrow is going to be good because God is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. And that tomorrow's events, good or bad, doesn't matter. I'm going to respond to them in faith because the giver of life has given life to me and he speaks into my heart. And then they will all be personally taught by God. Everything we know about God, God teaches us. Faith doesn't come because we dream it up. It's because God, because God gives it to us. Anyone who has spent time at all, listening to the Father, really listening and therefore learning, comes to me to be taught personally. 
to see it with his own eyes and hear it with his own ears from me. <laughs> now what you've been waiting for. Let's see here. <clears throat> what is faith? <laughs> what is faith? Faith is belief. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Evidence of things not yet seen. What's the message Bible say, Hebrews 11.1? 1? Someone want to look that up? I was going to have somebody come up here and do this with me, but... Who, who said that? Oh, come on up. Come on down. Yes, yeah. All right. Here, right, you can get right here. This is where we need to be. All right. There's this one. There's this one. And there's that one. I want you to put them on the containers that we, that if you were, if we were to possess these things, what we would need to possess them. Okay. Okay. Okay, we'll match them. It's pretty simple. All right. And we'll, we'll just put it that way. All right. All right. There we go. Thank you very much. That was easy, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, thank you. Now, when we ask for God to do something in our life, we back away because we don't need it. God is not asking us to believe for what we need only. He is asking us to believe for everything that we'll need, we'll need in our life plus everything that we will need to give away and to share. Now, whenever we pray for enough <laughs> for ourselves, we sing, fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up. Right? That's a good song. But we, we take the wrong impression from that, that we feel that if God gives us enough faith, Tyler, come here, please. What do you see on this paper? A, very small dot. a, a what? A, small dot. a very what? A, small dot. a very small dot. Okay. A very small dot. Thank you. You may be seated. All right. I got a very small dot. All right. All right. So I have enough faith for that. Now, do I have enough faith for this? Because if God wants to do something bigger in my life, huh? We need more faith. <laughs> And if God wants to do something really big in my life, we need more faith. But see, that's not the divine principle. The principle is, if I have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, how many can see the dot? How many can see the dot? You see the dot? You got good eyes. Tyler, there's a dot on here, right? There is a dot on here. If I have faith the size of this dot, I can say to the mountain, be moved, and it'll be moved. 
You see, this is the amount of faith we need for this, for this, and for this. Because faith is not determined by the size of the object we need. Faith is determined by the attitude of the heart about the God that we serve. You see, the people that were with Jesus, they saw the miracle yesterday. He fed 5,000. Okay, that's good. But what can you do for us today? We need a big miracle. <laughs> we need a miracle every day so we don't have to go and work. We can, you can be like Moses and give us what we need. And Jesus says, well, you've got to believe in me. And you've got to believe me as the Son of God and the one who is the supplier of all your needs according to his riches and glory. And they say, nah, can't do that. And so, even the little things that they were expecting couldn't come to pass. So in our lives, in our lives, we've got to see that we are bigger than our needs. We've got to see that our life is bigger than our little cup that we possess. Our life has got to have enough for us and for everybody else that God wants us to give to. And whenever we pray and we believe for the cup full, we're not really planning on giving much away. But when I pray and I ask God to bless me so that I might be a blessing, whenever God pours into my life exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think, I have enough to share with everyone because there is no diminish in the reservoir. And all it takes is enough faith to ask and to receive. That's it. Well, you know, Jesus, you don't know where I live. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> you don't know the circumstances. Hello? He knows everything about us, and he has plans to finish the work that he has begun in you before time's up. <laughs> God has a plan to finish the work, and he wants to bestow, to give, to flow through you Things that you can never imagine. And we just have to believe. <laughs> and believe means to ask. And to ask, and ask God to speak to our hearts, to deliver, to touch, to, touch, to teach, to empower, whatever it is. Do we have enough faith <laughs> for the big things in life? And the answer is? The answer is? Yes. The answer is? Yes. Let's stand up. <laughs> I will place this dot in the back of the church so everybody can see exactly how much faith you need. <laughs> and a, a, a seed, a mustard seed, that this is supposed to represent is about half this size. So Jesus was using 
an illustration that was the smallest of seeds to, re to recognize the greatest of gifts. <laughs> if we have this much faith, you can say to the mountain, be moved. You know, there was this church, and I'll quit. There was this church, this is a story I heard on the radio, so. There was this church that they built their church and were moving into a new sanctuary, and they came by and said, you know what, you can't move in. The codes say that you have to have so many parking places in order to occupy this building. And they had taken the, the space that they had and put too much building on it, and they didn't leave enough parking places. So they had a prayer meeting, and 20 people showed up, and they prayed. About an hour later, the pastor says, God will answer our prayers. He's never left us down. He will answer our prayers. That week, a contractor came by and asked them if, he could, if they could dig out the mountain behind their church for fill in a neighboring town where they were building a mall and they needed a lot of fill. And if they could use that mountain, they would pay them for the dirt and, par and pave the parking area for their parking for the, their cars. <laughs> God will meet our needs. Father, thank you for your word that touches our lives, our hearts, our minds. Give us, O oh Lord, your strength, your word, your courage to speak your truth in our hearts and lives. And let us not, O oh God, forget to pray, to ask for your direction, that what goes on in our life is bigger than us, that we're not just trying to fill our little cup. We want an overflow so that we can give to the lives of others. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said yes. Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs>